خالق الوجود من العدم وجاعل النور من الظلم فمخرج الصبر من الألم وملقي التوبة على الندم فنشكره على المصائب كما نشكره على النعم ونصلي على رسوله الأكرم ذي الشرف الأشم والنور الأتم والكتاب المحكم وكمال النبيين والخاتم سيد ولد آدم الذي بشر به عيسى بن مريم ودعا لبعثته إبراهيم عليه السلام حين كان يرفع قواعد بيت الله المحرم فصلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى أتباعه خير الأمم الذين بارك الله بهم كافة الناس العرب منهم والعجم الحمد لله الذي لم يتخذ ولدا ولم يكن له شريك في الملك ولم يكن له ولي من الذل وكبره تكبيرا والحمد لله الذي أنزل على عبده الكتاب ولم يجعل له عوجا والحمد لله الذي نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبد الله ورسوله أصله الله تعالى بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله وكفى بالله شهيدا فصلى الله عليه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم بعد أن أقول أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وما تفرقوا إلا من بعد ما جاءهم العلم بغيا بينهم ولولا كلمة سبقت من ربك إلى أجل مسمى لقضي بينهم وإن الذين أورثوا الكتاب من بعدهم لفي شك منه مريب رب شحر صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم ثبتنا عند الموت بلا إله إلا الله اللهم اجعلنا من الذين آمنوا وعملوا صالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين Okay you two kiddos When Juma starts Hi over here When Juma starts you're not supposed to talk to each other okay Is that grandpa? Okay you sit on that side of grandpa Look at me look at me You sit on that side of grandpa And you sit on this side of grandpa So you guys don't end up to No 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 you stay there You stay there Good boy Yes Good We're gonna be good? We're gonna be good? Okay good MashaAllah Today's khutbah is about, yet again, about the uh, 14th ayah of Surah Al-Shura, the 42nd Surah of the Qur'an. Here Allah Azza wa talks about a, a phenomenon that occurred in history over and over again. I spoke to you about some of the concepts in this ayah last week, but I left it off at the, the core reason. So let me just briefly, in a 30-second recap, tell you what we've been talking about in the last Jum'ah, so that we can connect those ideas and have a continuity of thought. Um, in that previous ayah, Allah talked about, in the previous two ayat, Allah talked about how all messengers were essentially given the same fundamental message. And just like they're, they're, you know, society changes, cultures change, uh, technology changes, infrastructure changes, um, world, you know, civilizations go through change, but the values of our religion don't change. They, they apply across cultures, across societies, across times, right? And so prophets, even though they spoke different languages, they came to different cultures, taught the same values, taught the same beliefs, because they're applicable and they're not limited by a certain time or a certain century or a certain era. And the same way, the good is timeless. Some of the bad that we do is also timeless. So some of the, the, the failures of humanity, the failures that human beings had a thousand years ago are not very different from the failures we have today. 
the, on the outside, the way we dress and the way we trans, you know, we, we travel in the world and the way we live, all of that looks very different. The earth looks very different from what it did a thousand years ago, 500 years ago, 3000 years ago. But human failings are essentially the same human failings. They're the same tendencies that we have inside. It's the same Iblis doing the same waswasas. It's a formula. It worked then, it works now. It works in this culture, it works in that culture. So if you, you, know, you start thinking, oh my God, we have a lot of jealousy in our family. Uh, you're not the only family. There are families that have nothing to do with your culture, nothing to do with your language. They might not even have anything to do with your religion, but they have the same issues and jealousy that you have, right? So there are, just like the good Allah revealed is universal, some of the bad tendencies that we have are also universal. They, they, they carry through, right? And so part of, one of the failures of people who believe, people who actually learn, people who know, is that they fall into conflict within each other. They develop a lot of internal conflict. And that's not a new thing. That's been happening throughout history. And this is a comment Allah makes. He says, وَمَا تَفَرَّقُوا إِلَّا مِن بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَهُمُ الْعِلْمُ they did not fall into factions, broke up into divisions, cut apart from each other. They didn't do such things until after knowledge came to them. So the irony that I tried to describe in the previous khutbah was, the, pre the ayah before this one said, all messengers were unified in a message. They're telling, they're preaching exactly the same thing, which connects me and you to prophets whose language we never even spoke whose time we never even lived in, but we're connected to them because they said the same, they, they taught the same things that Muhammad Rasulullah is teaching. So Nuh is telling his people something that is relevant for us, so it's in the Quran, right? So there's this unity that should happen because now we feel a sense of connection across languages, cultures, centuries, millennia. And the next ayah is the exact opposite. The people who learned this truth fell into disagreement. Instead of being united, the one thing, the one force, this overwhelming force of faith and revelation that should have been a uniting force actually was something they learned about. And after learning about it, they fell into disagreements and they broke up and they started clashing with one another after knowing, not before knowing. So it's, you know, other places in the Quran, can people who know and the people who don't know be the same? They can't be the same. It's understandable that the people who don't know or the people of ignorance have conflict with the people of knowledge. It's understandable that you're talking to somebody about something and they have no idea of the subject and they disagree with you and they're having a conflict with you. It's understandable because one party knows and the other doesn't know. It's understandable that a patient is arguing with the doctor about whether or not he or she needs surgery because they have no idea what they're talking about. The doctor does, right? So those kinds of conflicts where one knows and the other doesn't know is understandable. Why, how can we understand when both sides know? And they know the same thing, al-ilm. They know what should be uniting them. So Allah gives us what's called the maf'ullahu, the illa, the reason for why they disagree with each other. But the way Allah did that is in a very brief phrase. Like you would think that there should be some really profound, deep, long discussion about how can people of knowledge fall into conflict with each other Allah just reduces it to this small phrase baghiyan baynahum that's it that's all he says baghiyan baynahum and the subject moves on as if these words are enough for us to find the key to what is really going on at the source of conflict like if you address this you've addressed really the core reason why people of knowledge fall into factions why they become divided 
and aggressive towards one another and, you know, uh, uh, cut apart, otherwise a united ummah. So what is that baghiyan baynahum? The word baghi in Arabic, a very interesting and very uh, rich word that is used very often in the Quran. Its, its, its derivatives are used a lot in the Quran. It comes from the word baghwa in Arabic. And baghwa was used in Old Arabic for a, a, a branch or a flower or a plant that is on its way to becoming mature, but it's not there yet. So you're seeing signs of progress in this plant. The, the stem is getting thicker. You can see some signs of a flower that's going to bloom or a fruit that's going to come at the end of this branch, but it's not there yet. But every day you're seeing signs of progress. And from this origin of the word came the idea of a few things. Tazayud, for example, that means that it wants more. You can tell this branch wants more. It's heading towards something more. It's not satisfied at where it is. It needs to continue to progress. From it came the meaning of talab. That's why they say in Arabic, baga shay'a talabahu. Like they, when, when somebody's doing baghi of something, that means they're pursuing it. They want it. Just like this plant wants to reach maturity. Right? So wanting something and not being content with where it is. It needs to, it needs to acquire more to reach completion. So there's a sense of incompleteness until I have more. That's inside this word. From it then came the meaning of tajawuz, meaning the branch was this small, it crossed a line, it grew and it grew and it grew, right? It's getting longer and longer and longer. And the idea of crossing a line then got associated with the word baha, which is why even a crime like prostitution, the word baghiyah is used in, in the Arabic language, or al-bigha, prostitution is used in the Quran for that reason, because that profession crosses the line of decency. And so that's the same idea of crossing and, and you know wanting more or going somewhere, th th these associations started getting connected with th this word. This word is used in a positive sense, of course, in the Quran. The one who pursues the contentment of Allah actually also means someone who doesn't say, I've pursued Allah's contentment enough. I don't have, I don't need, there's no more growth necessary for me. No, there's more I could do to pursue Allah's growth, to, to pursue Allah's pleasure. I can do more, I can do more, I can do more. So there's a restlessness inside a believer, a desire to want to do more and not be content where they are. They're constantly doing an assessment of themselves. I'm looking myself at myself and I should be saying, what, what could I be improving? What, could I be, what changes could I be making? Or what failures could I be addressing? Right. So that's all inside of ibtila amarlatillah. But the ayah at hand is actually giving us a mafrullahu. And what, what it's saying is a few things. First of all, it's saying, and in order to tell you what it's saying, I'm going to take a step back from it and talk to you about something that seems completely unrelated. And that is, in, in psychology, they have a few terms for this, but one term that is uh, uh, used in modern psych is territoriality. It's a big word. But basically being territorial. Let's just call it that. Being territorial. What does that mean? You go to a restaurant, you're sitting there and you're having your food, and you haven't ordered yet, right? So the waiter hasn't come and asked you what you want yet, but you want to go wash your hands. But you don't want to lose the table either. So you leave your jacket on the chair. You marked your territory before you left. This is mine. I know this is a public space. Anybody can sit here. Not anymore because I left my coat on here. People that go to the gym can leave a towel even though they're going to drink some water. I'm going to come back. I didn't finish my bench presses yet. Right? So they're marking the territory. People that work in a certain office, all the cubicles look the same, but you want to mark your territory a little bit. You want to have some personal photos, your favorite teddy bear or some I don't know what. You put that in your cubicle, so you're marking your area a certain way, right? So with spaces, like your kids in their room, they mark a certain kind of territory, 
right? Um, and, and people do this in small things, like even inside the fridge. If you if you got a chocolate cake piece and you are, your siblings are a threat to what will later be consumed by you, um, you will put a sticker, barbed wire, whatever you do, you, you put that there, let it, you know, do not touch, Ahmed only, or whatever, you know? Um, so the idea of being territorial is very natural, actually. And in some sense, it's not only natural, it's needed. We have to be territorial about the doors to our home, about access to our car, about access to our wallet or our phone or whatever else. You have to, you have to mark territory. But then there's other kinds of territory, not just territory in space or things or clothes or our body even, but there are other kinds of territory. And the other kinds of territory are a little bit more abstract. I went to school. I went to school and people can go to the same exact school. Like they, a bunch of young men can go to med medical school, young men and women, but they can all have very different motivations for going there. One can go because they really, really want to learn. They have this passion for this knowledge and they want to help humanity. Another one saw a doctor driving a Mercedes and he said, man, I'm going to I'm going to become a doctor and I'm going to get that. Mercedes. First of all, people will call me doctor and I'll have a Merc. I got to do this in his mind is the prestige and the wealth and the status that comes with being a doctor. And he's putting his heart and soul into it. They're studying for the same exam. They're going to the same school. They might even get the same score, but their motivations are entirely different. They're entirely different for another. Their father told them, you come from a family of doctors. You're going to be a doctor. It doesn't unless you have two choices. Either you will be a doctor at the hospital or you will be a patient in the hospital. Those are the only two cho choices. But the hospital, it is for you. Right. <laughs> that's it. That's that's your life. So people are doing the same thing, but they're doing it for different reasons. Now, one of the reasons people pursue something is actually that they will enhance their territory. When they pursue it, if, if I get this degree, then I will be seen differently. If I accomplish this in my business, if I get this house, if I get this kind of car, if I accomplish X, Y, so something's in your mind and it's not just, it'll make me happy, but people will see, people will give me this territory where they talk to me differently. I will have a prestige and respect that comes with this. I, have an, I have, will have an authority within a certain group that they will come to me looking for answers, right? And so when you, and of course, those of you that have been in the workforce know that as people, you know, they get promoted and they get rankings in the corporate office from, you know, branch manager to executive manager to regional manager, whatever office positions they get, they have a larger territory under them. And that comes with a certain kind of authority, prestige, even expectations, right? The principal of the school expects that when he walks into the class, in a classroom in Egypt or in Jordan or in Lahore or somewhere that the students will stand up. He expects it. This, that comes with his territory. The janitor, the janitor at the school does not expect this, but the principal does. He put his years in. He expects this kind of respect. Now let's bring this back to what this is talking about. In the, in the, in the realm of learning our deen, in the realm of learning our religion, the motivation for learning our religion has nothing to do with territory. Nothing at all. 
In fact, the more you learn your religion, the less territorial you become because you are humbling yourself. And I, I'm humbling myself as a slave of Allah. And I'm seeing all the things around me as the property that belongs to Allah. And everything in my possession is a gift given by Allah. So it's actually the, the awareness of that is enhancing the more I'm learning. And it's making me less and less and less what? Territorial. It's making me closer and closer to inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. We ourselves belong to Allah. We will head back towards Allah. Right? So I'm not looking for prestige because I'm learning. I'm not looking for special treatment because I've learned. I'm not looking for that. If I am looking for that, then I'm treating the, this knowledge the same way somebody else treats knowledge that does come with superficial prestige, social prestige, recognition, authority. I'm not expecting that because I learned some things about Allah's book or the sayings of his messenger وسلم, that when I walk into the room, everybody else's eyes are going to turn towards me and they're going to have this reverence in their faces and they're going to come and want to shake my hand or want to eat. I don't, I don't, if I seek any of this, if I want any of this, forget wanting any of this. If I start getting that kind of treatment and I start expecting it, there's a problem. There's a fundamental problem because now I've associated what I learned with the marking of a certain territory and I've become accustomed to being treated a certain way this is what comes with the prestige of having learned this knowledge right the crazy thing though is when you for example in your family nobody knows anything about Islam lots of Muslims are like that their family no no none of your cousins know anything about Islam your your grandparents don't know that nobody knows anything and you start learning some of the religion all of a sudden you become the grand mufti the sheikh the alim the imam of the family and either one, one half of your family, you're the object of ridicule because you're the fanatic who's probably strapped with you know, explosive devices at the aid gathering. That's one extreme. They all think you're crazy. You know, you're going to blow everybody up. And the other extreme is you are literally walking on water. You're, you're holier than everybody else. And they just want to kind of, they come to you with this reverence almost. They've put you on some kind of a pedestal. Right, so two weeks, you're no longer human. Either you're the devil or you're an angel. You're no longer human. There's, 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 that treatment isn't there. But imagine for a moment that you do get this special treatment. You do get this extra respect. And then one of your you know, children memorizes the Quran. And then this child, young, young boy, they asked him to lead the taraweeh in the masjid. Right, so he led the taraweeh. And then he won the ultimate trophy, the playoff season, the 27th night. He, he led the taraweeh that night too. So now everybody's eyes are on this kid. He recited beautifully. They're, they're, they have this you know, offer. He's just a 15, 16-year-old kid. Any other kid walking into the masjid, nothing. This kid walks in, Hafizah, mashallah, how are you? And there's this special treatment being given. And this, this young boy, who's just a boy, is being inflated and inflated and inflated. And he's getting used to it now. So now when he walks in and nobody gives him the special treatment, he's like, what's going on? I think I haven't led the prayer in a while. That's why they're forgetting. I think, can I, can I, Dad, can you ask them for me to lead Isha? I need to, I need to be heard again. There's a need because you're, you're losing territory. You get it? You're losing territory. And your territory becomes an extension of yourself. So you're losing a part of yourself as you're losing this territory. Allah describes in this ayah that when people pursued knowledge, they gained certain prestige and recognition and authority in a community because of the knowledge they had over everyone else. And so people turned to them for answers. People turned to them with respect. People looked at them as the model of, 
you know, spiritual behavior, moral, moral uprightness. They are the, they're the model of everything. You know, we turn to them for all of our answers. And then if someone else comes along that is also learned, that is also teaching, that is also commanding some, some respect, all of a sudden you're losing territory. So there's this insecurity almost that why is this person, why are people listening to him? Why aren't they listening to me? Why are they going there? Why aren't they coming here? In fact, you can even have two people, two knowledgeable people in the same masjid. And one of them has a halaqa on Tuesday, the other one has a halaqa on Wednesday, and they can get territorial. Actually, I wanted the Wednesday spot. More people come on Wednesdays. <laughs> this, so what that, this, this thing of one, not being, what, what, what did I say was the origin of the word? The origin of the word was, the plant is not satisfied where it is. It needs more. It needs to capture more. And it sees anything else growing. Almost, they, they see anyone else, you know, coming in as almost a threat to their space. It's a threat to my space. I need to eliminate all competition. And this is, this is something that happens in the corporate world. And those of you that have been working for a while know this already. You've lived this. You've seen it. This happens inside families. But the crazy thing is this happens inside the Islamic space. It happens in the religious realm. And this is a, one of the ugliest things that takes place behind the scenes of what seems like, no, genuinely, I don't agree with this person or this person. Because, you know, when you have a genuine disagreement with someone, you don't have to paint them as the devil. If I, I have very strong disagreements with certain people on certain things in the study of the Quran, very strong disagreements, like... You, you couldn't find more of a difference of opinion on certain issues. And the people that I'm talking about, I would respect them the same as I would respect my own father. The same, if I had a blood brother, an older brother, I would respect him the same way. Despite my disagreements. It's not the disagreements that are the issue. The issue is using those disagreements to essentially disfigure another person. And what does this do? What does this sense of dominate, this desire to dominate do? And it's not even religious people between religious people. Then what else happens? People who know start trying to impress their superiority in spoken and unspoken ways over people who don't know as much as them, making them feel inferior. And th that is a reality that should be acknowledged. There is a sense of self-righteousness and con you know, condescension, just talking down to somebody or making them feel like, you know, they don't, they're, they're worthless almost because, you know, some members of the family become knowledgeable and religious or whatever, right? And now everybody else are all the, all the hell-bound cousins, right? They're all, they're all, you know, the evil cousins. They're all the astaghfirullah cousins. They're the astaghfirullah uncles, right? And they're made to feel that way too. It's not like as you come more into the awareness of your religion, you become more you know, more merciful, kinder, a better better relative in every way. That doesn't happen. Instead, this buggy happens. This constant reminder of how superior you are happens. So the, the, the deen and its knowledge is supposed to enhance me in my humility. And it has, unfortunately, the opposite effect over and over again for a certain group of people. Why? I said in the beginning, there are two medical students. They're going to school. They're learning the same thing. But their reasons were entirely different, weren't they? 
And sometimes the reasons can change along the way. Maybe you started with good reason, but over time you got a taste of the territory and your motivations took a turn and you just got used to the territory. And now those early pure motivations are gone. And maybe it's time to bring them back and to let go of some of these things that you know you and I may have become attached to. Let go of that and just, just uh, uh, do this for the same reason you started doing it to begin with. You know, our, our, this is, in, in a sense, it's a khutbah about intentions, right? Because the word baghi, which is maf'u'lahu, this is in grammar, the, the object of the verb associated with intention. Why does someone do something? So Allah is saying they fell into disagreement because they were essentially territorial, wanting more for themselves at the expense of someone else. This, is, this, is what, this was the core. This was at the heart of the problem. Very quickly, inshallah, I'm going to share with you um, the consequence of this on the rest of the Ummah. First of all, Allah is so offended by this because people that pursue dunya are people that are just, they started off wanting to, I'm going to be a millionaire and they're working hard to become a millionaire. Fine, that's, that's what they wanted to do in life. I get it. Somebody who wanted to, to be a, you know, star athlete and his training, that's what they, their intention from the beginning was clear and that's what they tried to do. Someone who comes along and says, I'm going to serve Allah's deen. I'm going to serve Allah's deen. I'm going to pursue what brings me closer to my Rabb. And then they start that, but then they end up no different than the star athlete and no different than the guy that wanted to become like... That's disgusting to Allah. And it's so disgusting to Allah that Allah says these scary words in the same ayah. He says, Had it not been for a word that has already been issued by your Rabb ahead of time, meaning Allah has decided that He will make judgment of this crime and He will pass the verdict of this crime on judgment day. He's already decided He won't punish this yet. Had it not been the case that I had not already given this decree, the decision between them would have been made already, meaning Allah would have executed them immediately. They would have been dealt with immediately. Like this is one of those crimes worthy of immediate destruction. You know how Allah talks about nations being destroyed when, the, when things reach a boiling point? Things reach a boiling point and nations get destroyed. Allah says this is a crime that basically hits the boiling point. They deserve immediate destruction, but I've issued a verdict that I'll deal with it eventually. A crime worthy of the destruction of nations. And then he says, And this is inshallah what we'll talk about next week, but I'll give you a, a taste again of what's, what's coming in this ayah. He said that there's no doubt about it that the people who inherited the book after them, the people who inherited the book after them, in the, who were given the book and inheritance after them, we'll explore this expression in, in, in depth. But think about this for a moment. Who are, they are basically the next generation of Muslims is what he's saying, right? The next generation of Muslims. But how is he saying it? He's saying the people who inherited the religion from the first generation who was obsessed with disagreement and territory. So what kind of religion would the next generation learn? You understand? They, they, what they saw their elders do, and, and the, re, the way they saw them pursue the religion, was so ugly, it was so disfigured, because the religion is supposed to be something beautiful. It produces harmony in society. 
It produces unity inside the ummah. It produces that's what it produces. It produced the opposite. And then there's a new generation that learned the religion from the people of Tafarruq. That's the new generation. Now, what does he say about these this new generation? They see the ugliness of what they were handed down. They see it as something. They, now they don't see the book as something beautiful. They don't see the religion as something beautiful. They actually see it as something hideous. So you know what they do? This next generation, Lafi Shakim Minhu, they're in doubt about it. The next generation starts doubting the religion itself. Subhanallah. What a what a horrible price to pay for that crime. Here you have people that are learning, and they are the reason, the learned people in this ayah, this is the scariest reality, mind-blowing. And I'm not saying this is Allah saying it. The knowledgeable in a certain generation are the reason a next generation is losing their faith. That's the, the, the wild reality. And a con, you know, I said in the beginning, there are some goods that will always be good no matter what society, no matter what century, no, no matter what era. This is one of those failures in humanity that will always be true. When a certain generation is obsessed with conflict and disagreement for the wrong reasons and in the wrong way, then the next generation will be doubtful about the faith to begin with. And that's what we're going to explore in the next khutbah, inshallah ta'ala. This, this reality that Allah has given, And what to do about it. So because that sounds pretty bleak, right? It's a pretty dark future for the coming generation. What do you do? Allah doesn't leave us without hope. These ayat are not without hope. Then they actually give us the, the, the way forward. In light of this reality, what do you do? Right, so that's inshallah ta'ala our assignment for next week. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyyakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi alladhina astafa khususan ala afdalihim wa khatamin nabiyin Muhammadin al-Amin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in qala Allahu azza wa jal fi kitabihi al-Kareem ba'da an aqula a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim inna Allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala al-nabiyya ayyuhal ladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala alihi Muhammad kama sallaita ala Ibrahim wa ala alihi Ibrahim fil alamin innaka hamidun majid Allahumma barik ala Muhammadin wa ala alihi Muhammad kama barakta ala Ibrahim وعلى آل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد عباد الله رحمكم الله اتقوا الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء القربة وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة إن الصلاة كانت على المؤمنين كتابا موقوتا